Hello and welcome to episode Sergey Gontra of the Cost Per Pointcast. I'm your co-host Trevor Shackles, joined with me by my fellow co-host Colin Cutmore. The regular season is finally upon us as the Senators open up their season three days from now as we record this on Sunday afternoon. And although we're heading into another rebuilding season, I'm honestly much more excited or at least intrigued than I was compared to last season. Season, uh, Would you say the same, Colin? It's definitely a bit more interesting. There isn't those... Uh... There isn't as much drama surrounding the team as it was in previous years. Um, as, as much as it pains me to say that Carlson and Stone, Duchesne are all gone now, it's uh, definitely a much different scenario when we don't have to be worrying about them being traded at every time. We're not really on our toes as much. So it's definitely uh, a much different dynamic than previous years. Um, of course, we just had the uh, final roster was revealed just earlier today. So uh, that's exciting. Um, but... I mean, yeah, it, it's probably going to be another long season ahead of us, but uh, definitely um, a bit less nerve-wracking and hopefully less drama-free. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's nothing really... I mean, the Thomas Shabbat um, future, you know, worries about his uh, contract next summer, that was definitely something to be worried about before definitely. he signed the eight-year extension. So um now that that is out of the way there really isn't much that could go horribly wrong this season you know you know knock on wood um but yeah you're right like last season we were just all worried about if Carlson and Stone and Duchesne were going to stay um Ottawa didn't have their first round pick last season so it's not like we could even cheer for the tank whereas this season I mean the 2020 draft is just absolutely loaded so they're going to be getting a very good player probably in the top five so it's it's definitely an exciting season um, just for looking forward towards the future. Um, one thing that's interesting, though, uh, I guess we can get into this, is the fact that um, I, I'm not sure who said this on Twitter, but apparently Ottawa's roster is like 10th or something in the league in age. So it's not as exactly as if this team is that young. There's There aren't that many rookies, uh, definitely a lot of veteran players, but hopefully they'll be able to integrate those young guys into the lineup throughout the season. Yeah, definitely. It'll it'll come down to um, one who gets injured on the main roster. You know, we mm-hmm. already have a couple injuries who we're, who we're already dealing with, like we look at uh, Rudolph Spalsers and Christian Lennon who are injured now, but um, obviously injuries will come up through the season, and really the Belleville Senators roster, they're going to, as, as we talked about last week when Spencer was on the show, they're, 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 they're pretty bound to have a, a good year this year so um as the year goes on um hopefully some more young guys get put into the lineup we'll see as the trade deadline comes and goes if uh any more roster spots open up um but yeah i, I mean it, it's it's really it's really about developing the young guys and i think when the Suns hired dj smith that was really what they wanted uh him to be in for is and they made that pretty clear to him that like this season is just going to be going to be about um monitoring the young players um, trying not to rush them, but also trying to give them good opportunities as well. So hopefully they can kind of um, strike a good balance with that this year. Because really, with the records, it really doesn't matter this year. Or like to 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 the point where we want them to tank. I mean, if if we're really going for that 2020 draft pick, I've been following that draft class pretty closely, and like I I'm pretty darn excited about it. So that that'll be what I watch this year to see how um, the young guys do. Uh, see if guys like uh, Kachuk, White, Shabbat, um, anyone else can step up, step forward and and uh, join that core of young players. So, and uh, yeah, it, it's 
as I said before, it's, it's probably going to be a long season. We aren't expecting any wins, <laughs> or expecting many no. wins. But, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think we should start diving into the main lineup because that yeah, was... Yeah, let's do it. Um, that was what we, was revealed this, this morning is the final cuts. Uh, Vitaly Abramov is down. Uh, who else am I missing? There was Logan uh, Brown. And Logan Brown was the other forward sent down. So there's, uh, I think, 14 forwards now in the lineup, including Balsers, who's injured. So um, I guess just starting things off, uh, we saw this in preseason quite a bit, but there was um, there's a, a good top line that was it was pretty uh, solid by the end of uh, preseason. They, they, uh, DJ Smith seemed to like playing them together quite a bit, and that is uh, Brady Kachuk, Colin White, and Connor Brown on the top line. Uh, they seem to be getting the majority of the minutes. Um, Kachuk obviously has uh, uh, Ottawa's. I think I think it's I think it's pretty fair to call him Ottawa's number one forward at this point. Yes, plus, easily. Pretty easily. Uh, plus Colin White fresh off the new extension. Plus uh, Connor Brown off the the trade with Toronto. I don't know. Like I don't know. What are your thoughts on the top line? Do you think they'll be able to match up to any other team's top lines at all, or do you think it's uh, more just of giving future or giving opportunity for players like Kachuk and White to grow. Yeah, I mean I mean coming into the season I'm I'm pretty sure everybody had both Kachuk and White on the first line. Um you know, there, there's no other better players at left wing or center um on the team. And interesting putting Connor Brown there. Um I guess you know, in in junior he was a very good offensive player, so I'm curious if he has maybe some um untapped offensive potential that he he didn't um you know that that he didn't uh utilize in toronto or sorry showcase in toronto um so yeah I, i'm curious to see what he can do there definitely not uh, a regular first line i think on any playoff team that's easily the second line i mean maybe on a really good team like a a, a really good third line that's not to say that kachuk and white are third line players or anything but um yeah, there's definitely going to be a pretty weak first line. Having said that, I do think that Kachuk and White should have a decent amount of success this season. Um, but yeah, and, and I wouldn't be surprised at some point to see a guy like Drake Batherson on that top line. I guess we can get it, get into him a bit later. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it'll definitely be a bit of a struggle if those guys are playing against, you know, the McDavid's and the Crosby's and Bergeron's and, and lines like that. Yeah, for sure. And, and you mentioned Connor Brown. I think his situation is especially uh, very different from what it was last season. You know, he was on the Leafs, who were uh, one of those very deep teams who, who you mm-hmm. kind of alluded to, and playing on their uh, third and fourth line. And now he's getting, um, I don't know, 18 minutes a night with two great players in in, in Kachuk and White. And um, yeah, it, it's kind of, it'll be interesting to see what he does, because he definitely did have some decent results with the Leafs, maybe not spectacular, but it also kind of comes down to, like, who else is, is going to be on that top line with Ottawa? I mean, you can put Bobby Ryan there, but, uh, I mean, is, is he really the best guy to be uh, a play driver with them? Or is he kind of more just hanging around trying to um, use, his, use his shot? I, I, I don't know. Bobby Ryan is kind of... He, he, he's a player. <laughs> is, is kind he's of a part. player. <laughs> <laughs> he's yeah, just there. Yeah, he, he's, he's... I don't know, maybe... <laughs> I guess... There's there's Batherson as well who you mentioned, but he's also coming in as a rookie, so it, it, it's kind of hard to figure out who else will will go there. It's not like you have the Mark Stone like who would obviously be on the top line like there was last year. But um, who what what number what point number would you be happy 
um, with Connor Brown at, at the end of the season? Honestly, my, my expectations are pretty low, so I'll say probably 40 points. I don't know if that's higher. Oh, yeah, no, I, I'd be really happy if you got 40. I, I think that, that for someone playing top-line minutes with Kachuk and White, I think that seems pretty reasonable, especially when you're playing with Kachuk, who really just have to get the puck towards the net, and then Kachuk... <laughs> gets in that then you got an assist on that so if Connor Brown can kind of do that consistently with with Kachuk I I think that uh, could be a a decent duo going forward maybe not spectacular like you you probably wouldn't want that as your top line going forward in a few years when the Sens are hopefully going to be a lot better but um, it's it's something for now yeah and uh, you know Brown in his rookie season had 36 points um, in a full season so I think that's definitely reasonable to expect him to maybe get 40 if he's playing in the top six um previous two seasons he had 28 and 29 points so um took a bit of a step back but um yeah let's get into the second line that you had listed here um which i believe has been used before um so anthony declare on the left wing with pajot at center and batherson on the right wing um yeah same thing for you thoughts on this line See, for me, I'm just interested to see how they'll get deployed. Because for me, they have very different strengths. Uh, Anthony Duclair and Drake Batherson are really high-level offensive players. And we saw that from Duclair a lot in preseason. Um, he really has uh, lots and lots of skill. Um, you look back at his time in Arizona, he was he was the main play driver of their offense as a 20-year-old. And it's been a few years since then, and he hasn't really been given much opportunity since then. So if he can... Um, get back into a top six role and, and use that offensive skill, um, then I think that he could definitely flourish. And playing alongside Batherson, I think that could actually be pretty complimentary. Um, uh, Batherson also has that kind of well, well-rounded offensive game so that um, the two in the offensive zone could really um, hopefully flourish together and, and score some, some goals. And whereas Pajot, I think, is kind of a bit different from them. Uh, he's kind of the more defensive center um, who's put up good defensive results. So um, I'll be interested to see where they get deployed. So if if DJ Smith is giving them offensive zone draws, I think that would be best for Batherson and Duclair, whereas Pajot has been, in the past, he's been given pretty um, heavy defensive zone deployment. So it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see if this line ends up being a thing. We could always have Chris Tierney playing on that line instead of Pajot, but um, it'll be interesting to see how they get utilized as a, as a potential second or third line. I think... I think long-term, it'd be really interesting to swap Pajot for Logan Brown, just because mm-hmm. Brown and Batherson had that chemistry in the AHL. Um, just when you were talking about Duclair and Batherson, I was envisioning them playing together, and I, I feel like that could be a really good fit as well. So I think those three together could be really solid offensively. And I feel like Smith probably put Pajot on that line just because you know, he, he wanted like a defense first guy to balance out Duclair and Batherson, but I don't know if that's really going to work. I feel like that will maybe help their defense like a tiny bit, but I feel like that'll also really suppress their offensive ability. So, um, yeah. And and I just want to say too, that there was a lot of talk about, and I tweeted this last night. Um, there was a lot of talk about Batherson having a disappointing preseason and, you know, I, I can't say that I've I watched too much of the preseason, to be honest. It's just, A, didn't have too much time, and, and B, I mean, it's preseason. Um, so, you know, if he did have a bad preseason, preseason you know, that's fine. Whatever. That's, he, that's obviously not a good thing. I'm not saying he 
didn't have a bad preseason, but it, it, these are exhibition games. You, you can't say that, uh, you know, he's done everything he can to showcase that he's way too good for the AHL. There's no reason why he shouldn't be on this team right now. I mean, he's, I think there's a decent chance he's one of the best forwards on the team by the end of the year. So, yeah, I mean, he's going to have to be pretty damn bad mm-hmm. for me to want him sent back down to Belleville. Just because, I mean, sure, I, I, know, I know a lot of people wanted Vitaly Abramov um, to start the season in Ottawa. But if you look at their seasons in the AHL, Abramov still has a lot to prove at that level. So it's not as if he doesn't need any more developing. Batherson is completely different. So I don't know. I, I, I was just a bit surprised to see how many people were not wanting him in the NHL. Totally. I think it's just a matter of, of not jumping to conclusions at this point. Like Bath- yeah, totally. Se- Batherson's season in the AHL last year, that didn't come out of nowhere. He's mm-hmm. like, he, he proved last year that he's a play driver, that he can um, almost carry his own line at that point, just because his skill is his skill set is, is so well rounded. And uh, I mean, I, I definitely would have hoped for a bit more from preseason, but at the same time, I'm not going to put nearly as much stock in that as as I would as his previous season and and how well he he looked last year. So um, maybe maybe it means that a top six role is maybe not where he, sh- he should start the year. Maybe on a third line with. Um, I don't know, maybe on a third line with bit slightly less minutes, but at the same time, like you want to give him decent line mates too, and that's uh, pretty hard to come by on this Ottawa roster. So if that means putting him in the top six, I think that's uh, um, a pretty good way to give him some um, opportunity at the NHL level, even though the second line for Ottawa is really not is really going to be outmatched compared to mo- most other teams' second lines. But that's, that's why I was talking about offensive deployment earlier. G- give, give him a bit of sheltering to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I, I do think he is uh, a decent two-way player as well, he, he's not exactly spectacular in that sense either. So um, it's, it's really, and that's what the season is about, is, is really managing the young guys. And someone like Batherson, Batherson should be like the main focus of this forward group for the coaching staff right now and making sure that he is um, succeeding to his full potential and, and receiving these these types of opportunities. Because this isn't going to come... B- Assuming Ottawa gets a bit more depth in the next in the next couple of years, this is really going to be the good time, a good time for for Batherson to um, be able to um, step into a top six role because that may not exist in a couple of years. So, yeah, um, yeah, and I think um, you know, yes, these several preseason games are obviously a showcase for him trying to make the team, but so was the entire last season. You know. Um, he definitely would have been in Ottawa um, if Belleville wasn't trying to make the playoffs. And he had so much better of a season than I could have ever imagined. So, I mean, that was his entire last season was a showcase for this season. So I, I'm going to take way more precedence for for last season than I am going to for a couple bad preseason games. For sure. And uh, I guess if we talk about uh, where he fits in the lineup, I mean, the thing is that Bobby Ryan also is there on the right wing as well, and having him on the third line is actually looking pretty good for the depth. And if we talk about the third line, um, the one what we have currently projected is we have Tyler Ennis on the left wing, uh, Chris Tierney at center, and Bobby Ryan on the right wing. Which honestly, it seems like if you look just at kind of not like, bad, <laughs> it's, it's not bad for a third line. Honestly, um, I mean, I, I definitely have my reservations about someone like Chris Tierney and his defensive play, 
And I mean, ideally, someone like Tyler Ennis is there on the fourth line. But um, I mean, depth-wise, I mean, it's it's much. They could have done much worse. That's all I'm going to really say right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm very curious to see if Ennis can drag Tierney and Ryan in terms of um, defensive impact, because we know that Ennis is a very good defensive player. Um, you know, pretty much can can get any of his line mates to to have good results as well. So yeah, Tierney and Ryan definitely give up a lot of chances against when they're on the ice. So that's that's definitely an, an interesting mix. Um, and you know, who knows? Maybe Ennis is able to to put up a, a few more points than he has the the past few seasons too. I, I wouldn't expect anything more than thirty or thirty five max. But um, yeah, definitely another another line that's veteran heavy, but still kind of interesting to see what that would uh what those results would be yeah and one idea i've been t- kind of toying around with a bit in my mind just for a little bit is if if the, if the Suns wanted to go all in on having specialized lines like have an offensive line and have a defensive line i, I feel like the ideal defensive line would consist of tyler ennis pajot and then colin white on the right wing and that could open up a spot for the ground <laughs> center too so <laughs> I, I i wonder if if they'd ever Consider going for an all-out defensive line. Give them all, all of the, give them all of the defensive <laughs> zone draws, and then leave all the offense for guys like Duclair and Batherson. Uh, I don't know. I think that'd be interesting, but um, but you're right though. Tierney and Ryan together last year, especially when they were with when they were with uh, Mikhail Bodker, who I think we'll talk about in a little bit. They were pretty terrible defensively last year, and even offensively, they weren't able to generate uh, nearly enough to make up for for um, how much they were giving up. So. Um, yeah, and uh, there's I, a few I, guys like that. Yeah, and I feel like that line. I mean, we, we say it's a third line, but it, it could also turn into the second line. I mean, um, if if they get similar minutes to uh, the Duclair Pajot Bathurst line, then uh, I don't know. I, I could see that as kind of a uh, a two A and two B scenario. Yeah, for sure. It's um, I mean, Ottawa obviously doesn't have a ton of star power, so I'd be surprised if Smith. Um, if he wasn't, you know, leveling ice times um, out, you know, throughout the lineup, just because it's not like there's such a rigid structure with their forwards. So, um, and even on the fourth line, which I guess we can get into now, there's a couple guys who will probably deserve a bit more ice time. Uh, we had listed Philip Schlapik on the left wing with Artem Anisimov at center. And, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> local boy Scott Sabaran, who... If you knew his name three weeks ago, high five, good job. I don't think any of us knew who this guy was, um, but man, he actually made the roster, and that is wild. Yeah, I I wasn't expecting this at all. I don't think anybody was, um, but yeah, I, I mean, if you look at Scott Sabrant as a player, I mean, uh, I think we, we had a couple listener questions about him. We'll get to the listener questions at the end, but yeah, I mean, the way I look at him, I'm actually... He's he's the tank commander essentially, <laughs> and, and 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 for that reason, I actually don't mind the signing that much. I mean, he came in a, as a as a PTO player, and if this season is really about uh, um, a developing the young guys and b getting a good draft pick, I mean, he definitely fulfills that second requirement. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, if we're just looking at him as a player, he he's he's gone around the AHL, different teams over the past uh, handful of years. Uh, he's a veteran at this point. I think he's 27. I want to say. Yeah. But 
I mean, he, he really only provides grit and intensity. He, he's gotten into a couple fights already in preseason, and DJ Smith seems to have those types of players. I mean, he's from Ottawa. He played for DJ Smith in junior, too. So that's, uh, I'm sure that certainly helped um, at least get him in, get, uh, getting him into the training camp in the first place. So um, there, there's no way he should be touching an NHL roster at this point. But, no. it, 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 but for, for Ottawa, I mean, it is what it is. And it, I guess... I was talking about the two two requirements, and I guess the, the one issue I have is that I, I really, really hope he does not end up on the line with Philip Schlappick or Rudolph Balsers or any other young guys. If he, I, I just hope he stays as that, as that role player who, um, who, who really shouldn't be in the NHL, but ends up playing six minutes a night because the coach likes him and that the player just doesn't, the young players just don't get stapled to him because he really is not an effective player. No, and it, it's just so, it's just such a weird situation. I mean, like you said, if it helps with the tank, sure, um, not the end of the world. It, it is just a bit frustrating that um, I, I never really thought um, that Nick Paul had a future with his team, just just seeing how they utilized him the past couple seasons. Um but I think he's, I still think he's a perfectly capable fourth line center. Not going to give you much offense, but very good defensively. Um, and it just sucks for a guy like that. He loses out a spot. I mean, who knows? Maybe Paul wouldn't have made the team anyway, but maybe someone like uh, Brown or Abramov makes a team instead. And, you know, a, a guy like Paul loses a spot to Sabran, who honestly, I think there's zero chance he makes a team if Smith hadn't coached him in the past. Like, I my inclination is that he's probably just a really good, you know, locker room guy, probably, you know, quote unquote, good character and all those things. Um, the and, investments. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what, like good for him. He he's chasing his dream. He has an NHL two way contract. Now he's going to be making some decent money. He made the best out of his situation by being this intimidating, tough guy going after Matthews, going after Max Domi. Um, and you know, fans who love toughness and grit they love that and um it's just so funny how people's eyes you know they're gonna see a guy skating around the ice you know making big hits um getting in guys faces and it's just funny how people will equate that all of a sudden with oh this guy must be really good he's making these good hits when i will bet you he's probably actually gonna have a worse impact than tom pyatt did when he was in ottawa just because I mean, this guy was a, a bottom six player in the AHL. There, just because you're a bottom six guy in the AHL doesn't mean you're a bottom six guy in the NHL. And it, it's just very weird to me that, I mean, there's thousands of guys who, you know, in the ECHL, AHL, whatever, who could throw the body around really hard, just as good as Sabaran can. And it's strange that this is the guy that they think they need. So hopefully he is not going to be playing too much and isn't going to be um you know he's going to be scratched a decent amount of times but like you're saying if he's on a sh line with schlapik that just that's really ruining his development you know it doesn't he's not going to be able to score and that's just you know if schlapik has zero points in 10 games people are going to be wondering oh what's with schlapik well if he's playing with scott Sabaran, that probably has a big deal uh, a big reason why so it's it's a very weird signing, and like you said, again, not the end of the world. Good for him, but it's just... I, I don't love that it's taking a spot away from 
a more deserving player. It's kind of funny. We were, we were talking about uh, a couple a couple episodes ago who was going to get that right wing last roster spot. It yeah, could be Max Verano. It could be Jonathan Davidson. Jonathan Davidson. It could be Abramov, who almost made it, or it could be even Rodewald, and oh. it ended up being uh, Scott Sabran. And uh, I also just want to add that it's kind of a redundant signing too, since they already have Mark Borvietsky on their roster, who's yeah. already hitting guys and he's already fighting guys. So. I don't know. How many games... I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but how many games do you mm. think he ends up playing this year? And do you think it ends up being over 20? Oh Yeah, I saw someone had an over-under today on Twitter. Um, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with, like, a decently high number, 24. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, and then and I think he gets sent it's, down. It'll be... I... I, I I don't know. <laughs> it's it, it's just so up in the air right now. It's it's uh, yeah. So it's such a new situation that I didn't expect at all. No. So I, I'm but, just putting out a number. I'm actually gonna say like uh, thirty-eight. Oh God. <laughs> See, the thing is, it. I mean, it could be really high just because of we might be underestimating this DJ Smith factor, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. coaches have these guys that they love. I mean. Elaine Vigneault loved Tanner Glass for whatever reason. Um, I've, I can't think of any other specific players off the top of my head, but there's usually just this one guy who just isn't very good at all that a coach will just continuously play, whether that's like a third liner on the top line or like, you know, a, a tough guy on the fourth liner or whatever. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Sabaran gets way more time than we than we ever thought. Um, yeah. So yeah. The funny, so the funny thing is, is, I could see, I could see two scenarios playing. I could see either he get he gets scratched for the first few games and sent down a couple of days later and plays zero games all year. I could see that happening just as likely as I could see him playing, um, <laughs> all the way until the end of the season. Like it, it's it's so up in the air at this point that I really just have have anything could happen at this point just because it, it's a uh, it's such a new scenario that I really just didn't expect to see coming. Yeah, man. It's um, it's strange. Um. I think I, I kind of wanted to go over some of the some of the cuts from the roster, um, and I guess Rudolf Bossers as well, who's injured. Um, just just in terms of like where these guys will fit into the lineup. So there's Bossers, uh, Logan Brown, Abramov. Um, who else would there be? Maybe like Davidson or Verano, uh, Formanton, Norris. Who do you think is going to be the first call up, and will any of those guys actually? Um, be able to make an impact this season um i mean it really depends on the injuries and who gets injured first and and what positions need to be filled but uh in terms of predicting who performs best in the ahl i mean i could see i, I could see max verano or uh getting a call up at some point uh, i mean he was brought in last year with uh i mean he, he, he chose the time with ottawa off of uh off of the chance that he could make the nhl so maybe that maybe that happens at some point um of course he'll need to live up to to that first but Mm-hmm. Um, Alex Formanton, I, th- I think, could end up making an impact. I mean, it, I think it's pretty apparent that DJ Smith is n- is not as high on him as as Guy Boucher was. Um, but yeah, someone like uh, you mentioned Nick Paul earlier. Maybe he ends up um, coming back up to the NHL. But yeah, it, it really doesn't seem like he he has an NHL roster spot uh, cut out for him at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know anyone else you might think. Do you think Logan Brown ends up being? making an impact this season or, or do you think he uh, spends another year in the AHL? I, I think he will. I, I think he'll end up playing majority of the games in the NHL this season. Um, you know, hopefully that is at least on the third line. 
Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I think playing on the third line has value. You don't always need to be in the top six to be an impact player. Although on the fourth line, I, I really don't know what kind of impact you can make. So I think he will be a solid player this season. Um, honestly, I just hope by the end of the season, at least a couple of those guys that are in Belleville right now, or you know, including Bossers as well, at least like two of those guys make a positive impact with the team in, I guess, in the top nine. Um, that would have to mean that one or two guys get traded or there are some injuries. But as it stands right now, the, the 12 that we outlined on the roster, I mean, what young guys... Or, or what rookies, I guess, are we excited about? I mean, there's, what, Batherson and Schlopik. <laughs> and, like, Schlopik's on the fourth line with Savaran. So it's pretty much just, like, we're looking forward to Batherson. So, you know, if if we're looking forward to a season with a lot of young guys, you got to hope that Brown and maybe... If it were just Batherson had a good season and then Brown and, say, Balsers or whatever are, you know, more proven NHL players by the end of the season, I think that'd be... A success but as it stands they're gonna need more young guys in the roster i'm just really hoping we get to see uh brown balthers and batherson on a line <laughs> in the nhl at some point and then brandstrom gonna... with um although oh no we gotta wait for bernard docker but yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah if they can get a kid line together going at some point i think that could be really exciting and, and actually yeah. go uh, a long way still uh to, to marketing the team as well because really they, they really need some rookie infusion in this roster right now but the kids are all right, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's get into the defense pairings. So um, now the ones you have listed here, were those actually listed? I can't remember. Or are these just your pairings? Um, the, the ones I kind of have, so just just so that, just so everyone knows, I have uh, Thomas Shabbat and Nikita Zaitsev on the first pairing, uh, Eric Branstrom and Ron Hainsey on the second pairing, and then the third pairing is Mark Borvietsky and Dylan DeMello. And uh, this, is, this is sort of taken from preseason. Uh, Shabbat and, and Zaitsev were definitely used together um, pretty frequently. Um, last game, it was Shabbat and Tamello on the, on, the, on the first pairing, so it seems like DJ Smith is still kind of um, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work right now. Um, same sort of thing with Branstrom and Hainsey. They were, played, they were uh, paired together for their preseason games. Um, but again, like there were only half rosters being played each preseason game, so mm-hmm. some players haven't even been on the roster with other players yet, so... Um, we'll see how that works, and then Borvietsky and Demel is kind of just whoever is uh, is still left right now. With yeah. uh, Cody Golalbeth, that was an interesting name to see survive camp. I, 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 <laughs> yeah. I don't, he'll definitely be the seventh defenseman, but uh, I doubt he. I mean, he might play a couple games. Yeah, but uh, I mean, just looking at Shabbat and Zaitsev, um, it's really a matter of figuring out who Shabbat's partner is at this point. And I'm, I don't know. Did you have any thoughts on Shabbat and Zaitsev from preseason? I mean, just just those three pairings as a whole, I would be really disappointed if, if it ended up being that. I just, I feel like every pairing gets ruined because um, Zaitsev, I don't know. I mean, he looked okay when I when I saw him, but I know his, his long-term overall impact hasn't been that great. So having him on the top pairing, that would kind of ruin Shabbat a bit. I, I'd be worried about that. Um, Dylan DeMello is much more defensively sound. He needs, Shabbat needs a guy like him who can, you know, cover his ass just like, just like Mark Mathot did with Eric Carlson. Um, and I, I, 
they would probably give up way too many shots against. And with the other pairings, like, I mean, I know Smith wants a veteran player with Brandstrom, so I'm sure there's some off-ice things that Hainsey can help Brandstrom with, but on the ice, I don't know. And then Borvieski DeMello, I feel like you're just underutilizing DeMello when he can easily be in the top four. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't love those pairings. Um, hopefully, when Willannon comes back in midseason, it's a bit better. It's like they're halfway there. There's, yeah. Tom, there's Tom Shabbat, but the cue is right there. Yeah. There's, there's, there's Eric Brandstrom, exciting rookie. It's for, like, <laughs> it, 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 I can't emphasize enough how exciting it is that he actually made the roster. I yeah. mean, it, it, it's uh, Christian Lennon getting injured is unfortunate and definitely uh, helped that, but it is awesome to see that he'll be getting some NHL games to at least begin the season. But you have Eric Brandstrom and then Ron Hainsey on the side. Like, who? You're you're right. It's uh, I'm not too convinced about his play, but like it's kind of like a mentorship thing, I guess. I don't know. We'll see how that turns out. And then you have Don DeMello, but then Mark Borvietsky, who, I mean, we 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 knew he'd he'd be making the roster. Um, yeah. Yeah, so um, I feel like the other interesting thing there, uh, we found this out today, is that Christian Yaros was sent down. And this is someone who played very, the entire season in the NHL last year. Um, so it was actually a bit of a surprise, but uh, I don't know. Any thoughts on uh, his de- his development path? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm really not opposed to that at all. I think I'm a bit lower on Yaros than other people are. Um, I, I don't think he... I don't think his ceiling is any anything higher than a third-pairing defenseman, and that might be fine, but last season he, he really wasn't that great. Um, and just with the defensemen they have right now, with the six that are in the lineup, there's you know not necessarily any reason to have him as that seventh defenseman um, if you think he isn't going to be playing that much. So I, I, I think Ottawa doesn't necessarily think that Golubev is better than Yaris. It's just that they don't really care about him as much. So he can sort of be that guy who is in and out of the lineup, mostly out of the lineup. So, you know, if he can get, um, I'm assuming he's going to be playing on the top pairing with Max Lajoie in Belleville. And, you know, those will be good minutes. Hopefully he can get some confidence back and, you know, they'll probably be an injury to Ron Hainsey. And at that point he can probably come up. Um, but yeah, like I, I would much rather have, you know, if it was down to Yaros and Brandstrom, like I'd much rather have Brandstrom just because, I mean, they already have Borvietsky and Hainsey are already there, really defensively, uh, defensive minded defensemen, and I guess DeMello as well. So, you know, having Yaros in there as well wouldn't have done that much. So I, I wasn't actually that surprised with him being sent down, but um, yeah, he'll definitely be back up at some point. Yeah, I think so too. And I mean, it's also worth considering that he is kind of still in that group of young guys too. He's he's 23 years old, so he's just reaching his peak. Um, I'm actually a decent fan of his skill set. I think that uh, he's an underrated skater, especially for someone of his size. Um, and especially, I mean, you mentioned his like we talk about his size too. He is uh, uh, he he, he, use, he uses it very effectively, at least in my opinion. But uh, last season, being paired with Mark Borvietsky for the entire season, I don't think really helped him either. Um, I, I also agree. I don't think he really will end up being more than a third-pairing defenseman, but if he ends up being an, an effective third-pairing defenseman, um, that's, that's kind of what I envision him, him as for uh, for his career, like someone who can actually be on the third pairing and, and be a competent defensive player. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it, I definitely agree, though. Like, 
Um, Belleville seems like a decent option for him at this point. Um, if he'll be playing top pairing minutes instead of just uh, on the third pairing like he was all last year. So, um, yeah, uh, hopefully him and Max Lajoie can maybe develop some chemistry and make some things happen. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Putting me on the spot here a bit, but if, if we're um, not including Willannon in the lineup as he's injured, what would you have your ideal defense pairings to start the season? Ooh, ideal? I'd probably have Shabbat with uh, Dylan DeMello on the first pairing. Um, I'd probably have Eric Berenstrom with... Honestly, I don't know at this point. <laughs> it's, it's, kind of, it's, it's kind of picking from uh, uh, a bunch of... I, I, I don't even know. Uh, who, who are some other right-shot defensemen? I, I honestly would have probably even brought someone better in from free agency, honestly. No, no, it doesn't count. doesn't count. <laughs> Only with the ones we have. <laughs> with the ones we have... Yeah. Uh, I'd I'd probably go with honestly I think Ron Hainsey at this point. It, it, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 oh it, it hurts to say, although I think that's uh, kind of what uh, what I probably do. But and then yeah, you so you're just flipping Demello inside of essentially, which is yeah, it, yeah. Uh, it just really doesn't seem like ideal at this point. But yeah, yeah, hmm, interesting. I, I, and it, I, 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 as long as as Branstrom ends up, uh, um not being kind of saddled with Ron Hainsey for, for too long. And yeah. As long as they, 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 he kind of gets put in a decent role at the same time. So, yeah. Um, and hopefully once Willannon comes back, um, you know, hopefully the left side can be Shabbat, Brandstrom, Willannon, or Willannon, Brandstrom. Um, and then I don't know what the right side would like. I don't know if, if uh, Boro would play. A, well, I guess actually Willannon could play on the right side. They were, they were saying that he was practicing yeah. that. So, um, I don't know. That would be interesting to see uh, what happens when he comes back. Then again, decent chance that one of these guys is also hurt by that point too. So who knows? Um, yeah. yeah. So I, Should I we get the, into? Yeah, I guess the last thing we haven't really touched on yet. I mean, we've we've touched on it a lot in, in previous episodes, so I don't think we'll go over it uh, too much. Yeah. Is is the, is the goalies? And so we have Craig Anderson, Andres Nielsen. Um, no surprises there. They they've got the two uh, goalie jobs here. Um, Marcus Hogberg, maybe he'll be up at some point. Uh, he was the last one cut, so it seems like he'll definitely be the starter in the AHL. Um, but h- how do you think the split is going to happen with uh, Craig Anderson and Andres Nielsen? Do you think they'll play uh, equal amounts? Do you think one will kind of um, take over as the starter? Yeah, I think um, I I think Anderson will probably start playing beginning the season, playing a bit more, maybe like a 60-40, 65-35 kind of thing. Um but, you know, I'm sticking to my guns with my bold prediction saying that Hogeberg is going to end up playing more games than Anderson this season just because of injury. So I think early on in the season, uh, Nielsen might end up playing a few more games here or there, and then Hogeberg might come in, you know, whenever there's an injury. And and then it'll be more of a... Nielsen might be more of a starter towards the end of the season. Um, not that he's... I don't expect him to be starter caliber, but um, yeah, I, I don't think um, even if Anderson is healthy, I don't think he's going to be playing too many games, maybe between like 30 to 40, just because, I mean, he's 30, I believe he's 38 years old. Yeah. Uh, he's definitely up there. And I know that um, the athletic writer, uh, Haley Salvian um, predicted, or I don't know if it was her and Chris Stevenson, um, but I think she did like predicted that, uh, Anderson's going to have a 920 save percentage this season just because of the smaller workload. 
Um, don't know about that, but yeah, I don't think he's going to be playing too much. Yeah, I, I kind of envision it. What's going to happen is what they did with Anderson and Condon two seasons ago, is that they're going to just keep going with one goalie. If, if the goalie gets hot, then then they'll, he'll keep going with him. And if he starts to lose a couple games, then they'll switch over to Nielsen. Or if mm-hmm. Nielsen starts losing a couple, then they'll switch back to Anderson. Just kind of go back and forth, see what works, see see what uh, what see what happens. Yeah. Um, but again, injuries do come up, and of course, Hogberg is there, plus the two goalies in the minors as well. Maybe, who knows? Maybe <laughs> Philip Gustafson or Joey Decord ends up having an incredible start yeah. to the season in the AHL. Maybe they get some time in the NHL. Who knows? But um, I, the, the, the goalies are hard to predict. But at this point, it seems like he's pretty, it's pretty solid to predict that Ottawa's goalie tandem is probably not going to have the, the, the most fun time in net this year. No, definitely going to be, I would assume, a, a bottom five tandem. Um, yeah. Then again, I mean, like we've been saying, the, the whole theme around this episode should be wanting to tank. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, so hopefully Hogberg can get into some games and plays well just because you want to have some hope. Um but yeah, hopefully the goaltending kind of sinks them and uh, you know puts them at the bottom of the league. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's really all for goalies. Uh, so we've talked about the mm-hmm. entire roster. So Trevor, is there anyone who you think could break out this year? Anyone you think could surprise, um, exceed expectations? Anyone who you think uh, might fit that mold? Yeah, I don't know if, if he's necessarily um, surprising for me, just because of. I've been so high on him the past season, but I'm expecting really big things from Batherson. And I was talking him up earlier and I just think he's, I think he's going to be stuck in the, in the top six for the entire season, just because of the lack of options on the right side. And I just really love his skill set. I mean, he's gotten better every single season since he's been drafted. He's also gotten bigger, like much bigger. I think he's six, three, Two fifteen or something, and when yeah. when he got drafted, he was what he was. I don't know. He was definitely a few inches shorter, maybe maybe even below six feet. Um, so you know, this is a guy who's you know continues to get better. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely expecting big things from him. I could see him getting fifty plus points. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's my surprising pick. Who did you have? I mean, everyone on Twitter wants me to say Bobby Ryan career season, but <laughs> I, I think I think that for me this year, I think I talked him up earlier too. It's Anthony Duclair. Um, he hasn't really been given much opportunity in his uh, past few seasons with his teams. And again, you look back at how he did with uh, the Coyotes in 2014-15. Very similar situation to Ottawa. Very, very weak team. Ended up mm-hmm. being in the top six because they just didn't have any other options. And uh, he really flourished. I mean, he was like the guy that was driving offense on that team, so... Um, maybe his maybe his defense isn't really the best, but uh, uh, offensively, I mean, we saw his goal that he had in preseason, uh, his shorthanded goal. I mean, that was oh yeah, that, that was, was nice. That was world class. I mean, uh, if he can keep doing that every game, then uh, yeah, big season could be ahead. Definitely, and he has so much potential. I mean, just watching him, like on that breakaway and um against the Canadians, you know, he looked really electric. And there's the one thing that worries me is that just his defensive impact has been pretty bad the past couple seasons so hopefully someone that he plays with can stabilize that I mean maybe it maybe it would be good to have him uh with Pajot who knows but I could easily see him yeah getting 40 points again at least so I'm glad they're taking a chance on him and he's still like really young so 
Yeah. I'll, I'll, um, also, I'll also add that. I, I think his defensive uh, abilities, uh, how much... I think it's been overstated a little bit. I mean, even if you look back a few seasons, he was having actually a pretty positive defensive impact, especially with uh, especially with the Coyotes and even a bit with Chicago. So it was really only last season where he, he uh, his results really just weren't very favorable defensively. So it's, Fair enough. it's, it's kind of all about rekindling what he had in, in a couple of seasons ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully he can find that again. Yeah, and he's he's got the potential. So th- there's that at least. So let's get into some predictions um, for the upcoming season. Let's start with where we think the Sens will finish and how many points they'll get. Um, so I guess go with where they'll finish in the division and where they will finish overall in the league. So what do you think? Well, I mean, last in the division, last overall. Um, <laughs> I, I, I know. I, I feel like it, it's if you aren't putting the Sens in last place at, at this point, it, it's kind of seen as a hot take almost so yeah yeah <laughs> uh, I, I haven't pegged at 61 points just, just in honor of mark stone i don't it's a, a few less than last season <laughs> <laughs> um I, th- I think looking at the roster overall i think uh, last season was kind of weird because they what they really weren't actually struggling to score that score goals that much but their defense was just so bad that it like it was a historically bad defensive season um that they just really couldn't o- overcome that Whereas this season, I'm actually looking at the forward lines, and I was like, I, I, who, who's going to score the goals this year? Yeah. Like, th- there's no Mark Stone. There's no Matt Duchesne. Ryan Dezingle is gone. That's three twenty goal scorers gone. And, uh, I mean, you, you still have Brady Kachuk and, and Colin White, but if you're adding in Batherson and Duclair to replace that, that's, uh, that, 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 that's a lot of goal scoring that's going to be gone from last season. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then defensively, I, I think it could be slightly better, uh, just just based off the fact that last year was so bad that it's kind of almost uh, it, it, you'd be pretty hard pressed to repeat that bad of a defensive season, and especially with Cody Cece gone now too, I think that actually might help a bit. But um, yeah, I, I still really see a long season ahead. Um, last place, hey, top lottery odds. Maybe the Sharks can uh, give them some good good lottery odds too if they miss Oof. the playoffs. So. <laughs> Yeah, that would be amazing if they got so, two two lottery picks. <laughs> and, and so for you, Trevor, what, what, what's uh, your prediction? Yeah, I'll, I'll go with the same thing. I'll go with last in the Atlantic, last in the league. Um, and I'll go a few higher points. I'll go with 65 in, in honor of Carlson. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they'll still be bad. Um, I think Kings will be close. They're also pretty damn bad. So I think they'll be close to them. Um and yeah, I, I just wrote down here, um, I mean, obviously, they even if they do finish dead last, they only have a, is it exactly 20% chance at first overall, or it's it, around there? I it believe. could change, too. It changes right, slightly yeah. every year. So. so yeah, I mean, it's only like a 50% chance that they pick in the top three, too, but I'll say they get third overall pick, and they ended up drafting uh, Quinton Byfield from Sudbury, who, very good center. He, he I mean, he could be a franchise center for them so Definitely. that would be huge but i mean there's also so many other players around there like lucas raymond um holtz like all these guys so they'll be getting a very good player um but yeah at w- what's your gut feeling right now as to where they'll pick and maybe who uh i'm gonna say second overall and then quentin byfield i okay. I, I, I think first overall is a bit uh I don't know. It's hard to be optimistic about anything with all. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like Quentin Byfield is someone there. It's going to be impossible for them to pass up. He's six yeah. four already, incredibly skilled player, 
I mean, <laughs> we'll definitely have some pretty great draft coverage over here at uh, the Cosmo oh, Podcast. Oh man, I can't up. wait! I can't wait for that. That would be great. I'm, I'm already digging in so much right now, and it's yeah, uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's it, it's a it's a, it's a pretty amazing draft class. Trust oh, me. Oh yeah, it's. I mean, did you see? Um, how do you pronounce his last name? Antonio Stranges. Stranges. Yep. Yeah, his his skating. Someone had a video of it. Um, uh, from their game a couple nights ago. My goodness, it is just. If if you for the listeners who who haven't heard of this prospect, um, his last name is spelled S T R A N G E S. Man, his, his skating is just absolutely incredible. It's I've never seen anything like it. Playing on a line with Johnny Gruden too. Sends prospect. Ah, nice. There you go. Um, are there any? Yeah. So what do you think? R- really quick, what do you think the Atlantic um, division will look like? The rest of um, people Oof. in their division. Um, I mean, it's kind of. I, I feel like it's pretty strong to say that the Whitening Leafs and Bruins will be top three. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not, not, not sure on the order, but it seems like they're pretty clear cut above the rest at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I so those three will be in the playoffs, and uh, I don't know. Let's say the Panthers. I'll, I'll say the Panthers. I think Bobrovsky will have a, a good year and really help them. Um, so I think those will be the four teams that come out of the Atlantic in the playoffs. Nice. Okay. I. I... <laughs> I was going out on a limb and picking the Sabres just because I really like their defense. Um, yeah. I don't know. There, there's always one surprise team, so I could easily see them being terrible again too, though, so who knows? Yeah, for sure. It's uh, Ristolainen, maybe not so much, but Rasmus Dahlin, yeah. amazing. Uh, who's the other one I'm thinking of? Lawrence Pilut. I think he's... Yeah, Pilut. They also got... I don't know if he's starting the year in the AHL or not, but like Yokoharu. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Colin Miller, too. Yeah, yeah Colin Miller, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't realize their defense was that deep. It's very good, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so any other predictions for this upcoming season? I don't think I have any others, but do you have any? Well, Eugene Monick will probably say something dumb on the radio again. That's, uh, that's, <laughs> that's pretty a much a guarantee. So. Yeah. Well, hey, you had that bold prediction, too, that he's going to sell the team by the end of the year. So yeah. I'm holding you to that. <laughs> and you know what? I'll, I'll I'll stick with that too. If uh, All right. if if a sale happens by the end of the, end of the year, I mean he's the, the string. He's holding onto a string. He's been holding onto a string for years now, but uh, yeah, it's getting thinner and thinner. I mean, yeah. I'm sure there'll be more melted talk on this podcast for as long as he's still here. So. You're guaranteed that it's called the cost per point cast. We have to be talking. Yeah. About. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. So you all came through very amazing job this week with the listener questions. <laughs> yes. Uh, we got plenty plenty to go through. Um, I'll actually just get started on the first one right now. This one comes in from uh, D. Lee. Uh, what happened to Drake Batherson? I uh, expected so much more. Uh, also, Anthony DeClaire, do you think he gets a 50-point se- uh, 50, 50 season over or under? Um, uh, we kind of touched on this before, uh, but mm-hmm. you want to take this one? I mean, yeah, just w- we'll try to go through these questions quick. Um, I mean, first of all, yeah, thanks again for the questions, guys. Um, some, some really good questions. This one, though, I just... I fundamentally disagree with what the premise of this question is like what happened to him i mean like i was saying earlier it's preseason if if he's if we're in december and he or like say we're halfway through the season and he's played 41 games and he has like 10 or 12 points okay sure then yeah that's um you know cause for concern but it's preseason don't worry guys just just let him play we'll see what happens um yeah i'm expecting a lot so and then, um, I, I I mean, you're high on Duclair, but I definitely would have him under 50 points. I think, would you as well? 
Yeah, I think so too. Even though I'm high in Duclair, yeah. I mean his career high was uh, what it was 44, 44. points that, in that yeah. one season. So if he can hit 40, that that, that makes me happy. But uh, 50, 50 seems a bit too uh, um, seems a bit reactionary to uh, his preseason. Yeah, totally. Um, next one comes in from James Mellish. He says. Do you guys think the development of any of the Sens' current prospects have been mishandled? In the Sens' entire history, who do you think is slash are the most mismanaged prospects we've had? Ooh, so the one that's been most mismanaged so far has definitely been Max Lajoie. Um He should not have been in the NHL last year as long as he was, especially playing with Cody Ceci. And even looking before that, he probably should not have been in the AHL in the year uh, that he was either. Uh, he could have gone back to junior for a year. He would have been in the Memorial Cup that year, too. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was a pretty poor move, at, at least I think. Um, in terms of the team's history, um, I mean, the obvious ones come to mind and CC and Lazar, um, they, who just came up way too early and were given way too big opportunities, and especially CC being turned into a defensive guy when he really was not. Um, honorable mention, by the way, to Shane Prince, who his deployment yeah. with Chris Neal, that was, I think that really changed the course of his career for the worse, unfortunately. And I'm just looking it up right now. What even is Shane Prince doing right now? I don't know. I mean, it's one of those other weird guys that, you know, he... I I, I never thought he was going to be amazing, but I thought he was going to be at least, like, a solid third-line player. And, like, he had the results to show it, and then he just fell off a cliff. I mean, he's in uh, Dinamo Minsk right now. He's got nine points in seven games. games. That's pretty good. (laughs) Go but, Shane Prince. Yeah, go oh. Shane Prince. Always a big fan. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, he lit up the AHL. It's surprising he didn't he didn't stick. Um, I would say another big mishandling has been Nick Paul. Um, you know, mm. another guy who's not he's not a world beater or anything. Um, and to be fair, last season was the first time where he really was um, an offensive force in the AHL. Um, but I, I just think he, he was never really given much of a chance, even last year, you know, hardly playing any minutes at all. Um, so it's it's hard to blame him for only having two points in 20 games. I mean, he wasn't even playing very much. So um, that one, at least the consequences aren't very high. I just, I just feel like he got the short end of the stick. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this, next, this next question comes in from uh, Robert Lennox. Uh, so good players, Hoffman years ago somehow. On Jacob Markstrom, so they, they they go on waivers at this time of year. There's been, as we kind of seen, there's been a whole bunch of players on waivers. Um, can Ottawa add any player or two with upside from the waiver waiver wire? Um, is there any justification not to go all in out all, <laughs> not to go all out for Lafreniere? Uh, shouldn't Hogberg play fifty percent plus of the games? Okay, so yeah, just knock these out one at a time. Um, I haven't seen. I mean, I'm always looking at what players are on waivers and. Throughout the season, sometimes there are some interesting guys. I haven't seen anybody that seems really intriguing to me um, to begin the year. Although there was one guy um, on Philly. Ah, I'm forgetting his name. It was a hyphenated name. And apparently he had like a ton of um, even strength points uh, last season in the AHL. Oh, this is going to bug me. It was like... I'm going I'm to look it up right now. Pardon? Not Bellamar? No, no, no. He, he was like 23 or something. I'm going to find it right now. Philly, Obey something. Oh, uh, Nicholas oh, Obey. Oh, yeah, Nicholas Obey-Kubel. Yeah. So he had a, he had 
his actual uh, point totals weren't that impressive, but it was more just the the even strength points. So he had 30 and 54 games last season, like just overall. Um, yeah, he, he was one guy that interested me. But besides that, I didn't see anybody else. Um, yeah. There's a couple but, yeah. players on waivers today. There's uh, Charles Hudon from Montreal, who is... Uh, really? Uh, he could be interesting. He has, he, has, he has some pretty good offensive impact. He also draws like a lot him, of penalties, yeah. which is good. Uh, also, Mario Kempe on on uh, Los Angeles. He, he's th- he's thirty one now, but um, last year he was really really good defensively. So, um, I mean, I I don't really foresee Ottawa or any other team for that matter picking either player up. But uh, is because hmm. teams are really setting their rosters at this point. They know what they want. So, um, but yeah. those I, I don't know. Maybe 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 not. Probably not. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then for the second part. Um... Was it? Yeah, Lafreniere. I mean, <laughs> I don't think they really have to do much to go all out for Lafreniere. They're going to be bad anyway. Um, Hogberg, uh, I wouldn't give him 50% of the games until, you know, until he's been lighting it up in the AHL. Like, maybe to end the season, like the last quarter of the season, maybe, um, then he should play a lot more. But definitely not to be- begin the season. Yeah, and if it's playing Hogberg to... Uh to help the tank then then at that point you're really kind of ruining Hogbrook's development i mean the defense is yeah, not going to be exactly good, so mm-hmm. um, at least give him a decent chance to uh, prove himself yeah um so next one comes in from well it just says at sends not for sale um he or she says who would you say is our most underrated prospect and why is it angus crookshank <laughs> love that question <laughs> yeah i, I mean it probably is Angus Crookshank. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's not very often that fans underrate their own prospects. I mean, typically they overrate them, I'd say. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I can't really think of anyone else who comes to mind. I don't know. I don't know you? No, yeah. Um, I mean, Crookshank's always the go-to answer for me for the past year. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I would have maybe said Abramov um, before before training camp, but I feel like he's on a lot of people's radars now, so... That probably isn't the the right answer anymore. Yeah, yeah, cause it is really it's, it's typical that I don't know fans kind of overrate their prospects a bit, and I'd say that probably goes on with Ottawa a bit too. But yeah, yeah, I mean for Crookshank to go under the radar and uh, as as a late round pick, I mean hopefully he has a he, he can even improve on his season this year. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, this next co- uh, next question comes in from anonymous Drew. Um, so there's a few questions in here. Uh, first one: Can Logan Brown develop properly? Or, uh, or sorry, can Logan Brown develop properly if if he makes a team but doesn't play on the top two lines? Uh, second one, uh, does Duclair continue to kill pel- penalties throughout the year? Uh, third question, who will be the Sens' top rookie this year? And last question is, Tank Commander Scott Sabrin a mean nickname or an apt one or both? <laughs> do you want to take uh, the first couple? Yeah. So, I mean, if if a prospect like Brown is on the fourth line, I really don't love that i don't think you can have much development there third line i think you definitely can depends on who you're playing with though so you know if he gets called up hopefully he's at least playing on the third line and i think they can make room for him there um declare um yeah he was killing some penalties i mean he's got speed so there's there's that at least but probably not a long-term fit on the pk there's probably some better options yeah, the, it, it, keeping keeping in mind that preseason only has kind of these half rosters and the yeah, yeah. aren't playing all the regulars, so I, I feel like he was there just as a, kind of a fill-in player. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did score that amazing short-handed goal, so maybe he'll end up playing second pair, uh, second unit minutes. But uh, yeah, um, as for Logan Brown, I think 
uh, there are kind of two things that he really needs to, to succeed. He'll need a, a good trigger man, so that he can actually utilize his playmaking ability for, for, for the better. And I also think he needs to get good power play time. Whenever he's in the NHL, he should be on a power play unit. Because that's really where his, his strengths really, really shine. So um, if he can do that, then I think uh, uh, even if he only ends up playing like lower third line minutes, as long as he has someone on that line that can help him out, I think that'll be good. Uh, as for top rookie, I think we kind of discussed this. I have I have Drake Batherson. Uh, yeah. Uh, unless you have Eric Branstrom over top. No, I think Batherson is more of a seasoned prospect, so I think he'll have more of an impact. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. And for uh, Tank Commander Sabarin, I mean, I say it's it's, it's, it's probably apt. I mean, it's not, yeah. not in the minds of the coaches, but uh, yeah. He, I'm sure he's very aware of the kind of player he is and oh, the role definitely. he has. So I don't, I don't think he would be offended if he saw people saying that on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully he takes it in good spirit. Exactly, yeah. Um, okay, I think we have a couple more. Uh, we'll go this one from uh, from Alex. He says another one on Sabran. He goes, uh, what do you think of Scott Sabran, and where do you think he will play this season? So, I don't know. I guess we kind of touched on that, but is there anything you want to add? I mean, yeah, he's the tank commander, fourth liner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, are you seeing another one, or do we miss any? Uh, I have one more question. This one comes okay. from um, uh, at Tate Fraser. Uh, where do you see the Senators' roster post-deadline? Who gets traded, sent down, or called up? Uh, where do Wollenon and Balsers fit in when healthy? Yeah, I mean, I I think definitely there will be a few veteran guys moved. Um, I could who, see... Who yeah, I, I mean, I could see... I know he's got an A, but I could see Hainsey getting moved just because there's probably some team out there wanting a, a depth defenseman for the playoffs. Um, I think... I think Tierney is a, not a bad bet to get moved just because he's kind of redundant right now, especially with Logan Brown and Josh Norris coming up. Um, and, I mean, who else would there be? Maybe if they can somehow move Bodker, um, but that might not be likely just given his salary. And, yeah, sent down, called up. I mean, there's so many guys in Belleville right now. Uh, Brown will get some time. Abramov will. Um, Balser's hopefully he's on the third line when he when he comes back healthy um and will land as well i he'll probably end up on the third pairing but i would hope that he does the second pairing um i mean there's you know verano will probably get called up i'm sure formanton and um davidson will get some time as well so there's a lot of guys and not enough spots yeah and it'll really come down to whoever's performing the best in the, in the ahl that's how yeah. it's always kind of worked for Ottawa is they'll ask whoever's playing the best in the AHL and they'll get sent up. So, um, I mean, so it'll be definitely some interesting battles going on down there too as uh, as the season goes on. Who gets put on in the top six? Who ends up getting relegated to the third line? Um, uh, looking at Balsers, and I think he'll probably take Philip Schlappick's spot. Um, and Lennon, um, that one's a bit more interesting. I'm not sure too sure. Maybe... Depending how Branstrom ends up playing, um, maybe he'll end up going to the a- AHL. Like, it really depends. But also, like, worth remembering that this is a four-month injury for Ro- for Roland and at 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 the minimum. So, a lot could change from now until when he becomes healthy. Yeah, I just really hope he doesn't come back and struggles out of the gate because you know it's not going to be easy to come back from that. Um, I could see that happening, and then you know Smith not not trusting his game, and then. As you said, he he's on a two-way contract this season, so you know there's still a chance that he gets sent down. Even though I I think he's 
it, at worst, they're, you know, third best defenseman. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that's all for the listener questions. Thanks so much again for sending, sending them in. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at cppointcast. That's where we'll have, uh, um, that's where we're putting out notices for when we're accepting listen- listener questions for future episodes. So, uh, yeah, be sure to follow us there. Um, yeah, for anyway, sure. Uh, anything else you want to add? Anything you're excited for for the upcoming season? Yeah, I mean, just just to sum everything up, I mean, I'm definitely more upbeat, I think, about the team. Doesn't mean I... Obviously, I still recognize the long-term outlook depends on whether Melnick sells or not. Having said that, you know, it, it's nice that guys like White and Shabbat resign just because there's, there's a bit more optimism surrounding the team. Um, and, you know, this is an important season coming up, and... It's really imperative that some of these young guys uh, make an impact with the team. But, yeah, I'm excited, and um, I think you are too, right? You know what I'm excited for? I'm excited for the 2020 draft. Let's go. Let's end it on that note. (laughs) All right. As I wrap it up, reminder that you can find the Cost Per Pointcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you really enjoy it, you can rate and review the podcast on those platforms as well. You can follow me on Twitter at ShaqTS, and you can follow Colin on Twitter at CudmoreColin and read his articles at Silver7Cents. Be sure to follow the Twitter account at CPPointCast, where we'll notify you of future episodes. Next episode, we'll be talking about some real games that happened, so I hope you're excited for that. That's all for today. Adios.